What does it look like to be an effective Christian in a modern world? Today, we're diving into part two of our summer series and discussing change and transformation. How transforming the world around us begins with transformation within the church. I'm your host, Jen Robinson, for July 2nd, 2021. Thanks for joining Bloom today. This is a podcast designed to inspire, encourage, and grow women in their relationship with each other and the Lord. If you're tuning in for the first time, welcome. I'm thankful you're listening. Bloom drops a new episode on the first Friday of each month, so be sure to click follow or subscribe wherever you listen so you don't miss out. If you are a regular listener, I would love if you would share Bloom with friends, post the link on your social media pages, and rate the podcast. This all helps spread the seeds of the good news so we can continue to grow together. The last month, we launched our summer series, Living as an Effective Christian in a Modern World. We were challenged to see ourselves as not merely existing in the world, but being sent into it just as Christ was sent. We have been called to be on mission to expand the kingdom of God by being both approachable and intentionally pursue others, all while boldly and unapologetically proclaiming the truth of the gospel. For a quick recap on the word modern, modern refers to the circumstances and ideas of the present age. In other words, we're talking in context of what's currently happening right now, not 15, 10, or even 5 years ago. Because let's face it, our culture is constantly changing. We know the world is not what it was 50 years ago, but it's also not what it was in as little as five years ago either. It's so important for us to be on the pulse of what's going on in our culture as it's changing. So, like I said, we're talking about change today. And for most of us, it's not a concept that gets us up out of our seats with excitement In fact, I think change usually results in the opposite response. We tend to shy away from change because change is hard. It's uncomfortable and it's unfamiliar. But living in a culture that is constantly evolving and changing, we have to ask ourselves, is the church also changing or are we remaining stagnant? When I first stepped into women's ministry, people kept asking me, what's your vision? What are your plans for women's ministry? And other than knowing I desired a ministry that was cross-cultural and cross-generational, I honestly didn't otherwise know exactly what the ministry would look like. I didn't come in with PowerPoint presentations outlining a set agenda or any specific plans. The journey God had me on in the years leading up to my call to full-time ministry involved three major themes. He is faithful, he is preparing me, and he is my source. And as I began in ministry, I heavily clung to that third lesson he taught me, Christ as my source. I knew he would lead accordingly by his spirit, and my job was to be in tune to him and follow his lead, however that looked. I knew this was first and foremost God's ministry and not mine. In those several years of preparation, God had given me a strong passion to love and lead women. I desired to see them grow in the Lord and their relationships with others, as well as for them to use their gifts to lead within their spheres of influence, in their church, their job, their community, and their home. Ultimately, I wanted women to experience the transforming power of Christ. 
Transformation is the act or process of changing completely. Now, I realize that the idea of changing completely just made some of you a little nervous. What I mean by sharing this definition is that I've seen God completely transform lives. Turn a drug addict into a pastor. Turn a broken marriage into a thriving ministry. And pull people out of the pit of depression to a season of newfound joy and purpose. This is the transforming power that lives in us through Christ. So if we as the church desire to be change agents, transformers, as Pastor Jelani mentioned this past Sunday, it must begin with us. It begins with taking a hard look at where we are and what we're doing to determine if what we are doing is still relevant. Is it still effective? And if not, what are we going to do about it? Flashback to when I had my first taste of women's ministry. I was young, newly engaged, 20-something at the church I grew up in. I was taking this leap out of youth group, an experience where I had deep encounters with God, where worship brought teens to lay prostrate at the altar on a weekly basis, where strong ties of friendships were formed, and where I was challenged in how to live out my faith in the midst of the daily temptations and struggles that awaited outside those nurturing walls. Now, as a young adult entering a new phase in life and in the church, I was suddenly entering a completely foreign world filled with elaborate themes, floral centerpieces on laced doilies, and listening to conversations about family vacations and where to get the best deal on a washer and dryer. I had my own set of struggles I experienced as a teen, and youth group had become my haven. It was a place I could find solace and be inspired to keep growing in Christ. And now faced with a whole new set of tests and trials within the transition of my young adulthood, I felt as though these women were not relate to me at all. Even though I had known most of them from growing up in church, I felt entirely out of place and irrelevant. Now, the message given at the event was an encouraging message, but I still left feeling like I hadn't connected with anyone, didn't really grow spiritually, or even feel invited back. It was overall a very discouraging realization to think this was now my new option in the church. Fast forwarding and stepping into women's ministry at Grace Church, I recalled that very moment back at my old church, how out of place I felt. The welcome to our spring tea sign felt like a pretty band-aid to cover up how intimidated I felt being there. And while the delicious food might have filled my stomach, it didn't fill the void I had, navigating this new norm of church life and missing what used to be. In fact, this experience kept me away from women's ministry for most of my 20s. Entering into full-time ministry in my mid-30s, I began wondering how young women feel as they transition into women's ministry now. But not even just young women. What about the women who attend church regularly on Sunday morning but are MIA during women's ministry events? Taking it a step further, where does that leave women who have little to no church background or maybe didn't have any existing relationship with God, and they walked into a similar event for the first time. Maybe someone that is still trying to figure out if they even buy into the concept of a good and faithful God, or someone who comes in with heavy burdens and real struggles. Would their experience resemble mine? 
Would they feel a sense of belonging, feel like they could relate? And most importantly, would the opportunity give them even a glimpse of God's transforming power? So I took this thought and ran with it like I was on assignment. It became my new mission. I began researching and talking to other women in the congregation, specifically targeting women who were not currently attending anything. I just wanted to understand Was it a schedule conflict? Were the demands of home and work life just too much to fit one more thing in? Were women wounded at some point during an event or gathering? Or could it be that maybe current women's ministries being offered wasn't resonating with an entire group of women? As I met with numerous women, I sprinkled in my questions throughout the conversations, trying to gauge where they stood on the topic. There were some women who told me they simply have too much on their plate. They were in a demanding season of life that required too much of their attention. Now, understanding the life of a busy woman myself, I chose not to probe and push back too much from that response. But then a great deal of women shared their heart with me, explaining that they had attended a women's ministry event at one point, but that they just felt out of place. Hmm, I thought. What familiar feelings that I knew. So I kept inquiring and listening, trying to pinpoint a reason to explain why they felt that way and what they wanted to see in women's ministry. Many of the young women voiced that they felt they were the only ones their age at the event or maybe within the very low percentile that were present attending that event. Now, other women said they went to an event alone and tried to sit down at a table and the ladies were unfriendly or told them that they had saved their seat for someone else and they couldn't sit there, making them feel uninvited. I had women share that some of the discussions among the women after the message was either offensive or went off topic completely from the focus of the discussion prompts. Other women simply indicated that they didn't like what was consistently referred to as the fluff In other words, the door prizes, the themes, the decorations, and even the food. Then I asked them what they were wanting to see in women's ministry. The women responded using descriptive words like something authentic, something intentional, something real. I took my notes and went back to God and just said, Lord, what does this even look like? I mean, authentic, intentional, real. I began asking for direction, for vision, for clarity. I remember just thinking, okay, God, you said that you are my source. So I need you to be my source right now and show me what it is that needs to happen. Is change on the horizon? And if so, what is it? What does it look like? I didn't have prior plans to make amendments or dismantle anything when I stepped on board. I thought I was just grabbing the baton that was handed off to me and maintain speed. I didn't anticipate change. I had full intentions to run the straightaway race before me, but now it seemed as though God was placing some winding roads and upward hills in my route. But as God also reminded me, he is faithful And throughout the months of praying and seeking, God slowly poured out a vision for something new. He gave me a picture of a panel with myself and three other women. Women who came from different backgrounds, women representing different ethnicities, and women from different generations. 
In other words, cross-generational and cross-cultural. I began praying about a name for this ministry because the name is so important. It helps define what the purpose of that ministry is, and it helps shape the vision and the mission of that ministry. I kept trying to come up with other words or phrases that I thought would fit, but I kept coming back to the same resounding word I heard over and over from several women I spoke with, real. Real women of grace. But what does real mean? How can that drive a purpose for this ministry? So I began contemplating the word as an acronym to help further outline what this ministry would be about. So the acronym REAL stands for Relatable, Empowered, Authentic Living. It's about real women discussing real topics, living for a real God. I wanted this group of women to have unscripted, candid conversations about real life and real issues women face every day, relating to what women experience and empowering them to live for Christ by pointing them to the gospel. And I knew things would be simplified, removing the tables and having just chairs, offering no food, no decorations, no centerpieces, no doilies, no gifts to take home. Now, it's not to say that food can't bring people together or that gifts aren't a blessing to another person, but I wanted the takeaway to not be a soap and a lotion set, but a transformed heart. And I want women leaving, not necessarily being filled from a hearty muffin, but the heartiness of the Holy Spirit. And it's not to say that we've been going about this all wrong. I don't believe that at all. But it's to recognize first that as culture shifts, instead of shying away from the change, instead of remaining stagnant, the church can seize that opportunity to pivot in how they reach people. And we also need to understand that what might resonate with one person may not resonate with another. I've spoken to other women who rave about the food and the decorations and the table discussion, but it can't be a one-size-fits-all ministry. If we think all women, or anyone for that matter, can be reached the same exact way, we will miss out in reaching an entire group of people altogether. Now, the verse that aligns to the vision of Bloom also happens to be the same verse for the women's ministry. It's 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Now, I want us to focus our attention on two words here, grow and glory. First, let's talk a little bit about grow. Now, personally, I can say God has been growing me. He's been stretching me and challenging me. But I believe he desires for all his people to grow, not to remain stagnant. And it's my desire for you as well. Like the pruning of the branches Jesus talks about in John 15. He says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, 
you can do nothing. Growing isn't an easy process. Change isn't an easy process. But he's the vine. He's the source. He said, remain in me. Stay connected to me. Apart from him, we can't do anything. But he's going to prune us in order to grow us. Now shifting gears to the second word, glory. For this, God laid the story of Gideon on my heart. In chapter 6 in the book of Judges, we see God send a man named Gideon to lead an Israelite army against their enemies, the Midianites. Now, the Midianites were described as an army of locusts, ones who came in and caused devastation and destruction to the Israelites, invading their crops and ravaging their cattle. Scripture says it was impossible to count their camels. In other words, their army was so large, no one thought that they could be defeated. Now, Gideon had an army of 32,000 men to go up against the Midianites. Still probably not enough for what they needed. But God told Gideon, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So God commanded Gideon to announce to his army that anyone that was afraid should turn back and leave. So a mere 22,000 men left. Just 22,000. No big deal. Now you would think that enough men had now left and that the 10,000 remaining could proceed. Yet the Lord said to Gideon once again, There are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out there for you. God said, separate those who lap the water with their tons as a dog from those who kneel down to drink. So these 10,000 men think they are going to the river to get a drink, but God was sorting out who would stay and who would leave. This final pruning left 300 men. Just 300 Now, I don't typically try to fill in the narrative, but I would imagine someone out of all those men thought Gideon was a little crazy for shriveling down an army of 32,000 men to 300, especially considering that they were preparing to go up against such a powerful army. But God said he did this so he could receive the glory. When God calls us to change, it's for our growth and his glory. Even if it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, he knows how to grow us and he will see fit to bring himself glory. Going back to the vine and the branches, our job is to remain. It's not to challenge the change, but to remain. When we remain in him, he says in John 15 verse 8, this is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit showing yourselves to be my disciples. Church, if we want to be transformers, if we want to be change agents and be effective Christians in a modern world, it begins with us. Where do we need to prune? What do we need to do in order to reach all different kinds of people for Jesus? God is truly faithful You know, several months ago, after I spoke with the leaders for Real Women of Grace and I casted the vision for the ministry, I received an email from a woman who said that she had an idea for for the women's ministry and wanted to talk to me about it. When I called the woman, 
She began by letting me know she didn't want to spearhead anything, but she and her mom had been involved in various women's ministries over the span of the past 20 years, and she had some food for thought for me. She continued, I think some changes need to happen. I was listening to the radio the other day, and the leader had several guests on the show, and they were just having casual conversation, but it was so rich and so authentic. I just thought, how cool would it be to have a panel of four women casually talking about real topics, but in a deep and meaningful way that women can relate to? I listened for the next 10 minutes as she outlined everything I was preparing to put in place. And at the end of the conversation, I thanked her for being a part of women's ministry and taking the time to share her heart with me. And I ended by saying, Spoiler alert, it's coming soon. So we'll be continuing this conversation and talking more about Real Women of Grace next month in our final episode of our summer series, Living as Effective Christians in the Modern World. But as we wrap up here today, I want to leave you with the reminder of 2 Peter 3.18. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, To him be glory, both now and forever. Keep growing, and God bless.